last 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfume. Hello, Utah Street. Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome into the Mass and All Access podcast series recaps, everybody. Your friendly neighborhood host, Bobby Blanco, here. Thanks so much for tuning in. We're back at it, recapping this three-game series in Philadelphia where the Nationals face the Phillies for just the second time this season and what actually turned out to be a crazy and eventful weekend. Entering the series, the Nats were 23-30 and 30 on the season, six games out of first place in the National League East behind the Mets and only two games back of the Phillies. Let's break it down. Entering the series Friday night, the Nationals still had no idea who would be their starter for Sunday's series finale. Although it was likely to be a bullpen game, that would depend on how much the bullpen arms would be needed over the first two games of this series. So Davey Martinez was looking for length from his starters to start off. And Friday night's script could not have gone any better for him and the Nationals, as Max Scherzer delivered one of his patented deep outings, winning a pitcher's duel against Philly starter Zach Wheeler by pitching seven and two-thirds innings and giving up just five hits, one run, one walk, with nine strikeouts and a hit batter on 108 pitches, 70 strikes, and a 2-1 Nats win. Both starters came out pumping gas, as they will have for much of this season. Scherzer was sitting at 95 miles per hour and topping out at 96, while Wheeler was sitting at 98 miles per hour and reaching 99. They combined for 17 strikeouts and 38 swings and misses over the course of the night, so it was a matter of who was going to make a mistake first, or maybe who would run into some bad luck first. Either way, it was Wheeler. After issuing a leadoff walk in the top of the fourth to Trey Turner, Wheeler gave up an RBI bloop double to left field by Josh Bell for a 1-0 lead. But then Max allowed the Phillies to tie the game in the bottom of the inning in similar fashion. After a leadoff single, Gene Segura stole second base to put himself in scoring position for JT Realmuto, who was 3-for-41 off Scherzer coming into the night. And in his 44th career at-bat against the Nats ace, Realmuto was able to connect for just his fourth hit off Scherzer to score Segura and tie the game at 1-1. No matter, though, because Scherzer was able to bounce right back to strike out the side in the fifth inning with a high number of fastballs and a good mix of curveballs. Max relied heavily on his fastball early on in the game and then switched to his off-speed stuff for the later half of his outing to get deeper into the game. And then he was granted the lead right back in the top of the sixth thanks to another Juan Soto home run to left center field. Soto connected on a Wheeler fastball left over the middle of the plate for his seventh homer of the season and third in four games. Couldn't pull the trigger. Uh Uh-oh. Trigger on that one. This ball is crushed to left field. Juan Soto has put the Nationals on top in the sixth. Absolutely crushed this ball, staring dead into the eyes of Zach Wheeler. Over his previous five games, including Friday night, Soto was 6-for-15 with three home runs, seven RBIs, and six walks. And as you heard on the call right there from Justin Maxwell, he also gave Wheeler a look as he rounded the bases, saying after the game he was just being competitive since Wheeler and Romuto got him out in his first two ABs. Soto also likes to hit at Citizens Bank Park, where at this point he had a 317 average with 11 homers, 17 runs, and 26 RBIs in 21 games in Philly. Now pitching with the lead, Scherzer emptied the tank to give his team as many outs as he could, saying after the game he was able to get a good mix in and had a feel for all five of his pitches. Max came out to start the eighth inning and got the first two outs with change-ups before Martinez called upon Daniel Hudson to finish the inning, and then Huddy and Brad Hand combined to close out the victory, though it wasn't without some drama. With Hudson back on the mound, Reese Hoskins just missed a game-tying home run to lead off the ninth inning. 
Instead, settling for a double off the wall in right field, missing the seats by a couple of feet and Soto's glove by a couple of inches. Then with Travis Jankowski pinch running at second base, Hudson faced Real Muto, who represented the winning run. After the sixth pitch at the bat to make it a full count, Alex Avila made the heads-up play of the night to catch Jankowski in the middle of the base path between second and third base and tagged him out in a rundown by running right at him. It was at the time a very stressful high-leverage situation that could have easily been a boneheaded mistake by the fielder turned into a disaster. See Javi Baez versus the Pirates. And it became an easy put-out for Avia by just sticking to the fundamentals. Yeah, once uh, the ball goes in the dirt and uh, get in front of it, looking up just to find where the runner's at, he he would have had a really good jump if, obviously, if the ball was was a little more in front and it was more of a a pitch that I had to block rather than, you know, had the chance to catch. Uh, So just caught him. Uh, in the middle there and um, you know usually uh, you see the catcher in that situation will throw the ball um, or the runner will end up just picking a one base and, and taking off uh, that's probably the reason why you, you don't see that play too often but I mean it's it's a pretty fundamental play at least for a catcher when the runner is is caught in the middle like that just running after him um, and, and running at him kind of cutting off uh, third and and you know trying to get him in a rundown I mean I you used to practice that in college um, but you don't see it too much here because typically the run will, you know, take off one way or the other and you get rid of the ball, but, um, that's really it. And, you know, a little pump fake there to see where, if he was going to, you know, make a decision one way or the other. And, and if he did, I would have given it up and, you know, hope we probably would have gotten the out still, but, um, you know, tagging him out was, uh, I'm sure I looked really fast running out there. All of you young players and catchers out there take notes. Hudson then proceeded to strike out Real Muto on the next pitch, and Hand then came on to get Brad Miller to fly out to center to seal the win. Max improved to 5-4, and four. Wheeler fell to 4-3, and three, while Hand earned his 10th save on the season, good for 8th in the National League. Two runs, six hits, zero errors for the Nats. One run, six hits, zero errors for the Phillies. Trey Turner went one for three with a walk. Josh Bell finished two for four with the RBI double. Starling Castro had a hit, and Avila was also able to record a double. Scherzer has now allowed two or fewer runs in 10 of his starts this season. The Nationals are now six and four in such Scherzer starts. And this was also Davey Martinez's 225th regular season win as the Nationals skipper, making him the winningest manager in team history. A great accomplishment for the team's longest tenured manager. I mean, it's, it's, it's awesome, but I, you know, I can, I can sit in and tell you, you know, I didn't do it myself. You know, I, you know, I got the coaching staff, the trainers, uh, all, all, all the supporting cast behind me, man. I appreciate them and I thank them very much. Um, you know, and I told the players, Hey, couldn't do it without you guys neither. I mean, you, you're the reason why I love what I love and that's this game. So um, kudos to them. You know, they get, I got a beer shower, so I'm soaking wet right now. You guys can't see. But uh, I'm dripping wet right now. <laughs> well, I was going to ask if you're going to take a special like memorabilia from this game. So I hope you get more than like a beer shower from this game. Hey, I'm, I, I'm, I'm actually good with the memorabilia. You know, I just want to go one and oh tomorrow. Um, you know, these guys know that. So uh, I appreciate what they've done. But, you know, let's move on. Let's get you know, let's go one and oh tomorrow. The most Davy Martinez response and uh, accomplishment of himself, of course, deflecting all praise to his coaches and players, um, and pretty impressive. And of course, he would not have become the uh, team's winningest manager without trying to go one and zero every day. So Max's start Friday night may have made Sunday starter decision a little easier. As long as Austin Voth or Paulo Espino were not needed on Saturday, one of them probably figured to start the next day's finale. But that would depend on Joe Ross, who started Saturday afternoon, had only completed five innings once in his previous four starts. 
So if I told you Ross and Kyle McGowan collectively gave up three hits and six total base runners through seven innings, you would have thought that gave the Nats a good chance to win the game and set them up nicely for Sunday, right? Well, only one of those is true, with it being the latter. The Nats ended up losing on Saturday 5-2 to two, since Joe Ross gave up four unearned runs, including a three-run home run to Andrew McCutcheon, to break a 1-1 tie in the fourth inning, following a fielding error by Josh Bell at first base, his first of the season. Bell sort of made up for it in the eighth with a solo homer, but Sam Clay gave an insurance run right back in the bottom of the inning on the way to the 5-2 final. It was a shame because Ross did pitch well enough to deserve a better fate for the most part of his outing. He prevented the Phillies' first 10 batters from reaching base despite allowing some allowed contact. And Ross displayed as much control of his sinker as he had all season and looked like he was going to pitch deep into this game. But he ran into some misfortune in the fourth inning. That was a five-batter stretch that featured only one well-struck ball, and that just happened to be the three-run home run. But a lot of this was also to blame on the offense, or I guess the lack thereof. Philly starter Spencer Howard was pulled after two and one-third innings, but then lefty Ranger Suarez pitched three scoreless innings to hand off to the back end of the Phillies' bullpen. There was one last chance at a rally in the eighth after Bell's homer. Kyle Schwarber walked, and then Starling Castro singled to follow, but Alex Avila lined out to center. Victor Robles flied out to left on the first pitch and pinch hitter Ryan Zimmerman struck out on three pitches. It was the latest sequence that was a perfect microcosm of the national season so far. They give themselves one good chance to make a game of it, and when they don't capitalize, the game is pretty much over. Joe Ross fell to 2-6 and six on the season. Suarez earned the win, and Connor Brogdon earned the save. Two runs, four hits, one error for the Nationals. Five runs, six hits, three errors for the Phillies. Turner, Bell, Castro, and Ross had the hits on the day, and Avila added two walks, while Kyle McGowan and Kyle Finnegan pitched scoreless innings out of the pen. Sunday's rubber match was a game so wild you had to see it to believe it. Home plate umpire Brian Onora took a foul ball off his face mask in the top of the first and then took himself out of the game in the bottom of the inning. Starter Austin Voth for the Nationals took a fastball to his face from Vince Velasquez starting for the Phillies while batting in the top of the third and was later revealed to have broken his nose requiring him to stay the night in Philly after having it reset. The Phillies scored seven runs in the fourth despite hitting all the balls pretty poorly and then there was a 20-minute delay on top of the 8th after the backstop netting at Citizens Bank Park collapsed, all of which helped result in almost four-and-a-half-hour game and a horrible 12-6 loss for the Nationals. Now, yes, most of the craziness was out of their control, but the things the Nationals could control, like hitting with runners in scoring position, throwing pitches for strikes, fielding the balls cleanly, you know, normal baseball stuff, that they did not do very well. Uh, the Nationals blew a 3-0 lead in the 4th after a disastrous bottom frame, that resulted in seven runs from the Phillies. And as our very own Mark Zuckerman of MassInSports.com put it, the play-by-play isn't worth retelling in full. Just know that only one ball the Phillies put in play that inning that left the bat at more than 90 miles per hour, and that was a ground out. Sam Coonrod earned the win for the Phillies, and Kyle Finnegan took the loss for the Nationals. Six runs, 10 hits, one error for the Nats. 12 runs, nine hits, one error for the Phillies. Trey Turner and Juan Soto did their things at the top of the order, combining for four hits and three RBIs. Victor Robles went two for three with three runs scored in an RBI, but the rest of the lineup went mostly quiet for the afternoon as the team was four for 11 with runners in scoring position and left eight runners on base. As for the pitching, Austin Voth pitched two perfect innings before breaking his nose. Wander Suero pitched a perfect third inning, but Sam Clay gave up two runs while only retiring one of three batters faced. Kyle Finnegan gave up five unearned runs while only retiring one of seven batters faced. Paulo Espino gave up two runs in one and one third innings, and Tanner Rainey gave up three runs in one inning, inflating his ERA to 10.57. 
while Kyle McGowan gave up two hits and struck out five over two scoreless innings to end the game. The kind of only positive note coming out of this one was Austin Voth only suffered a broken nose, though Davey Martinez said it was still a scary situation and something that baseball needs to look at to reduce the risk of players getting hurt. It's uh, it's really scary. I mean, I, 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 I almost fell over a seat on the bench um, just to try to get out there because we, yeah. you know, we knew right away when you get hit in the head, it's, it's ugly, you know. This is, like, I hate to bring it up, but um, – you're gonna, you'll you'll see more of that if if we keep messing around with the stuff about the balls. I mean, really. I mean, I, I understand um, that they're trying to clean some stuff up, but uh, you know, the balls the balls it's hot, it's slippery, it's you're sweaty. You know, uh, you know. I don't know if, 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 if I don't know if I know Velasquez didn't throw in there intentionally, but you don't know what. But uh, you know, I, I'm afraid that if we don't, you know, come up with something, something unified for everybody that you'll see a lot more of that. And, um, and that's, that's a scary feeling because these guys you know, throw 95, 96, 97, some guys throw hundred, you know? So you know, hopefully they'll come up with some kind of a, some kind of, you know, happy medium to, to resolve the, the whole uh, baseball issue with the sticky stuff. But like I said before, you know, I think, you know, I think it's, it's a, da- it's a dangerous thing, you know, to go out there and not, not being able to try to hold on to that baseball with some, something, because the balls are slippery. Scary situation indeed. Thankfully, both should be okay. He might be out for a little bit, but get out of there with just a broken nose is pretty fortunate. So hopefully a fast, speedy, um, and healthy recovery for Austin Voth, and we'll see him back on the mound and maybe even at the plate uh, sometime soon. The Nationals are now 24-32 and 32 on the season, seven games out of first place in the division behind the Mets and conclude this long road trip with two interleague games against the Rays in Tampa Bay. Let's take a look at the opposite dugout. The Tampa Bay Rays are managed by Kevin Cash in his seventh season at the helm. They went 40-20 and 20 last year and, of course, lost the World Series in six games to the Dodgers. And Kevin Cash now infamous for pulling Blake Snell with a lead in Game 6, allowing the Dodgers to come back in that game and win the series. They are currently 38-23, and 23, first in the American League East and the second best record in baseball and probably the hottest team in the sport right now. Over the last 10 games, they're 7-3, and three, but they are coming off a month in which they went 22-6 and six in May, almost doubling up their opponents by outscoring them 160-86 to 86 last month. And over the course of the season, they are 7-1 and one in interleague games, outscoring those opponents 47-29. and 29. But ironically, they're only 15-13 and 13 at home, and that might be due to the lack of home field advantages that Tropicana Field provides, even with COVID restrictions lifting. This is their first meeting against the Nationals this season. The Nats won three of four games last year. Pitching probables, Tuesday night starter John Lester will face right-hander Tyler Glasnow at 7-10 p.m. on Masson 2 and nationally on FS1. And then Patrick Corbin will face left-hander Shane McClanahan at 7.10 p.m. on Masson 2. The Rays have been one of the best teams in baseball over the last decade plus, even with a handful of sub-500 seasons. Despite having one of the smallest payrolls in baseball and playing in a low-level market with low incomes from ticket sales and such, they have a stacked farm system consistently ranking near the top in numerous publications that helps them make smart and helpful trades while not often spending too much in free agency and a front office that more often than not has been cherry-picked by other teams looking to duplicate their success. 
The only thing the Rays haven't been able to accomplish is winning an actual World Series championship despite two appearances in the Fall Classic, including last year. The Rays' offense is third in the majors and runs scored, and their slash line ranks in the top 10 in the American League while ranking fifth in their league in homers. Leading the way is outfielder Austin Meadows, who has 14 homers and 48 RBIs with an 883 OPS. Catcher Mike Zunino, who has 12 homers and 24 RBIs. And University of Maryland product Brandon Lau, who has 10 bombs and 25 RBIs. Last fall's breakout star and ALCS MVP Randy Arozarena only has 7 homers and 27 RBIs while batting 252 on the season. On the mound, the Rays pitching staff has the second best ERA in the American League at 331 and has allowed three runs or fewer 36 times, which is second in the majors. And Rays starters have a 341 ERA, which is second best in the American League. And the Nats have a good fortune of starting this series against the Rays ace, Tyler Glasnow. The 27-year-old right-hander is 4-2 and two with a 2.69 ERA on the season, and is coming off a stretch in which he allowed just three runs while striking out 19 over 15 innings in his last two starts. He has only given up two runs and struck out 16 over two interleague games this season, though he's 1-0 with a 7.53 ERA in five games, two starts against the Nats in his career. Wednesday's starter is left-handed rookie Shane McClanahan, who made his Major League debut in the postseason last October. Over his first regular season outings in the majors, he's 2-1 with a 4-11 ERA and seven starts. He features a four-seam fastball, a changeup, a slider, and a curveball, with his fastball averaging at almost 98 miles per hour, though he throws his slider the most at 43% of the time. He's been averaging about four to five innings in each of his starts this season, but he got knocked around by the Yankees in his last start for his worst outing yet, giving up four runs and three and one-third innings. The Rays featured the fourth-best group of relievers in the majors and the second-best in the American League with a 3-2-4 ERA out of the bullpen. Kevin Cash is probably comfortable going with any of his bullpen arms at any moment of the game if the matchups are favorable, but right-hander Diego Castillo serves as the closer with a 2-9-1 ERA and 9 saves and 11 opportunities. The drop is increasing its capacity to about 20,000 fans for the first time this weekend. They're not sure if that even makes a difference with a stadium that barely has fans in attendance anyways. So we'll see how that goes uh, this weekend in Tampa Bay. That's going to do it for this series recap. Be sure to tune into the race series on Mass and 2 this week. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Mass and All Access podcast. Be sure to follow and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. And tune in to our weekly live episode. Myself and Amy Jennings will be live video format on Tuesday on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter at Mass and Nationals across the board. And also be sure to give Mark Zuckerman a follow at Mark Zuckerman on Twitter and, of course, on MassInSports.com. You can also give me a follow on Twitter at Bobby underscore Blanco. Our next episode of Recaps will drop Thursday, recapping this quick race series and looking ahead to the Nationals returning home to face the Giants at full capacity at Nationals Park this weekend in a four-game set. Until then, enjoy the games, and we'll talk to you later. 